In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hear the words of our Lord, Luke chapter 13. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all those others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. In a time of crisis, our Lord calls us to repentance. Have you considered this week how you may repent? Have you isolated what might need to you might need to repent of? We don't know everything. We're ignorant of many things. We have learned this week that medicine, science, and technology are not worthy idols. They fail us. Our approach to pandemic is the same as it was a hundred years ago. Nature continues to be harsh towards us, and we have the arrogance to convince ourselves that we can completely tame it. Disease, cancer, tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, superstorms. We act like we can or should be able to control everything, and we can't. We are humble. We must repent and turn to the one who can cure disease, who can still the storm, who does feed you manna in the wilderness. We have also learned that money and wealth are not worthy of our worship. They can fail us quickly. Truth is, we fear love and trust in our 401ks and our stable jobs above all things. We are shocked and dismayed when they cease to be the source of all good things. Our devotion to false gods has exposed the reality that Christ and his church are peripheral at best in our lives, as if to say that we will keep a little bit of God around in case these other gods fail us. Repent. These days are an opportunity to reorient our, our priorities, lest we perish likewise. We don't know everything. We are ignorant of many things. And so we ask questions to get answers. But then there are the questions God asks of us. Since he knows all things, he's not asking questions because he's ignorant. He asks questions for a different purpose, to test us, to put us on the spot, to make us reflect on him. 
The four things God said to Adam and Eve after the fall were all questions. Adam, where are you? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree which I told you not to eat? What have you done? He knew all the answers, but he asked anyway to expose their lack of faith and to get them to flee to him in faith. Today, in the feeding of the 5,000, God is in the flesh, and he's still asking questions. There is Jesus, who knows all things, and yet he's asking questions of his disciples to put them on the spot. Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people might eat? And Philip flunks the test of faith. $20,000 would not be enough for those people to have even a little. And then Andrew fails as well. Here's a lad with five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? It's hopeless. The feeding of the 5,000 was not just another miracle. It's the defining miracle of Jesus' ministry. It's the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. And it was the miracle that Jesus' generation was waiting for. For they were all waiting for God to raise up a prophet like Moses. And today's account is all about them showing them, showing them this. Moses said God would be their healer. And here Jesus is healing people of diseases. Jesus crosses over water like Moses did. He goes up on a mountain like Moses did. He is about to provide miraculous food like Moses did. He is followed by a big crowd like Moses was. And then having them lie down on green grass, showing them that he is their shepherd just like Moses was. But they don't see it. They don't trust. Their faith is wobbly. They're still too self-reliant. The Lord is in the midst of his church. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord is with his disciples this morning. But sadly, because of our unbelief, he must still ask questions to expose our lack of faith. And so he asks you, sons of Adam, why are you turned away from me? O oh man, why do you live as though I did not matter? O oh man, why am I your only, only your last resort? And so he asks of you, daughters of Eve, why are you turned away from me except in emergencies? Woman, why all the faithless fretting about the future? Do you not trust me? Why are you so self-reliant and live as though you mattered most? Just like Adam, Eve, the Israelites in the wilderness, just like Philip and Andrew, we all fail the test of faith. Repent 
turn in sorrow at the littleness of your faith, but also be glad and rejoice, for what does God do with those who fail? Leave them exposed, guilty, and naked in shame, hanging without an answer? No. The great questioner not only asks the questions, he also provides the answers. He shows us our desperate need and then fills it. For after he questioned Adam and Eve, he drew them out from behind the fig tree and clothed them with his promise that he would one day come and crush Satan's head. And he did. He drew Israel out into the wilderness and then showed them that he was their provider and gave them heavenly bread called manna. And what does he do for after Philip and Andrew, who he drew out into the wilderness to show them who he was and who flunked the test of faith? He doesn't rebuke their arrogance or simply get mad at them. He does what a shepherd does for ignorant, wandering, lost sheep. He provides exactly what they need. What is the answer when he exposes the littleness of your faith? Sit down in the grass and hear my voice. Sit down around this pulpit where he dishes out his refreshing and comforting words and promises. Sit down around this altar and be fed with food that comforts in the deepest way. For he is not only the God who provides food that comforts your belly, but he is also the God who provides food that comforts your soul. You have a comfort food here this morning that is greater than the manna he provided in days of old. True manna is not something you scrape off the ground. True manna is a person who has come down from heaven and taken on flesh so that he might die and lie on the cold ground dead, having died for our mistrust of him. The true manna is a person who trusted his father a hundred percent because we haven't, even as he was led like a lamb to be slaughtered on your behalf. The true manna is Jesus Christ, the ultimate comfort food for sheep. For the question is, where will we find a gracious God in the wilderness of this world? Where will we find a gracious God in the midst of this hostile world of sin, death, and disease? Where? In his new Jerusalem, in his church, to where he has drawn you this morning, not only to ask questions that expose, but also to provide mercy that heals, not only to ask questions, but to speak facts. I forgive you all of your sins. 
My faith I credit to you. My righteousness covers you. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. So be glad, sheep of the good shepherd. Why? Because the house of the Lord is the house of God's forgiveness that brings true eternal comfort to the weary and repentant. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because our deepest hunger, our deepest craving, our deepest longing is to be loved, accepted, and forgiven by God. And here, in this house, that hunger satisfies. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because here in the midst of his people, I find the good shepherd and his refreshing spirit. My shepherd, who has prepared a supernatural food that shows me he loves me and has done everything to rescue me from sin, disease, and hell. He says to you this day, I am the bread of life. You shall not hunger. You shall never thirst. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Of this, there can be no question. In Jesus' name, amen.